Thanks for tuning into the Texas Family Law Podcast, where we provide you tips and insight to help you navigate divorce and child custody situations. This is Brian Walters. And I'm Jake Gilbreth. We are the managing partners at Walters Gilbreth PLLC with offices in Houston, Austin, and Dallas. And we're both board certified in family law by the Texas Board of Legal Specialization. Your hosts are broadcasting from the Lone Star State of Texas, where both have earned a reputation as fierce and effective advocates, both inside and outside the courtroom. All right. So for this week, we had talked about, last week we had talked about parental alienation and ways to combat it and deal with it. And I think we said we'd follow up this week with what to do when falsely accused of parental alienation. I think I probably see, and I'd be curious about you, Brian, but I probably see almost almost about equal the same amount of cases where there's legit parental alienation going on and uh, that the court has to address it. But same on the same other end of the spectrum, I would say just as many cases I see people who are falsely accused of parental alienation, or a lot of made laws made out of you know what may be some inappropriate behavior, but it doesn't rise to the level of what we think of when we say parental alienation. So we want to address that this week. Brian, is that your experience though, as far as you see people on both ends of the spectrum of sometimes it's real and then sometimes it's somebody throws that word out there to gain advantage in litigation or try and make a custody case out of when there isn't one. What is what do you see as far as breakdown? Yeah, I, that sounds about right. If you think about it, if you're you know perfectly happily married couple, great parents, and you've got a 14 year old daughter who just is you know doesn't get along with her mom or her dad or either one of her parents, whose fault is that? Probably nobody's. It's probably just you got a 14 year old daughter who's a handful, and but if you're divorced or split up or whatever, then you know, it's easy to blame the other person falsely in that situation. Oh, I'm not getting along with my daughter. That must be my ex's fault rather than either taking responsibility for your own actions or for just, you've got a difficult 14 year old and this too shall pass. So yeah, I think that's probably a fair way to see it. Yeah. I think when you hear mental health professionals talk about it, they talk about sometimes there's alignment and not alienation. I think that's exactly what you were just talking about. Sometimes just a child naturally is inclined towards one parent, particularly when you see teenagers. And that's difficult for a parent to deal with. And I think it's a lot of times it's easier to blame the other parent when it could just be, excuse me, it could just be teenagers being teenagers, or it could just be the way the relationship is developed and there needs to be therapy to address it. But anyway, excuse me, I was a little cough there, but the other thing that I think you do see uh, sometimes is sometimes legitimately a parent has done something and frankly alienated himself or alienated herself. I think we see that a lot of the times. As a reminder from last week, parental alienation is when you have a campaign from the alienating parent against the non-alienate against the alienated parent. The unjustified alienation of the relationship between the child and that other parent because the, the alienating parents upset about the divorce or upset about the relationship, maybe upset about the other spouse or parent moving on. So there's this campaign. Sometimes though, the parent that doesn't have a strong relationship with the child, frankly, has done something to harm the relationship. And then rather than sit there and take your lumps and say that you've done something wrong and it needs to be addressed in therapy, people pull out the 
parental alienation sword and say, the reason why this child doesn't like me isn't because I was gone all the time or it wasn't because the child saw me be violent with her mom or it wasn't because I have a drinking problem. No, it must be because of parental alienation. That's why this child isn't seeing me. And, and, and then that gets tossed out. And I've seen even mental health professionals, though, mess it up where they sit there and they go, this, this child doesn't have a strong, this nine-year-old doesn't have a strong relationship with her dad. Therefore, it must be parental alienation. I've even had mental health professionals. I've had one testify once. That's the only explanation ever that a child does not have a strong relationship or is rejecting the other parent. The only explanation is parental alienation. And I mean, frankly, that's just wrong. Wouldn't you agree, Brian? Yeah, I agree. There's human relationships are complex, especially with children and especially with children of divorced or split up parents. And there can be a lot of reasons. And those reasons could even change from year to year or month to month. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think on the other, other thing I've seen when, is this a lot of times gets made worse if you have mental health professionals or a guardian or even an amicus sometimes that just totally misses the ball or where it's coming from a mental health professional saying parental alienation when it's just frankly not the case or a guardian saying that when it's not the case. And I've had multiple cases and a lot of times they end up getting tried, but multiple cases where a mental, a guardian shows up and says um, the child's rejecting the parent. So I'm just going to conclude that it's parental alienation. The other thing I've seen that they do is one parent will be rejected or out of the child's life uh, for something that parent did. And let's just say dad by way of example, just because the case I'm thinking of had, had a dad and dad was just out of the child's life for two or three years. He had, he had actually gone to prison at one point or jail, well, prison at one point for a few years, just out of the child's life, was coming back in and he had supervised possession and was rebuilding this relationship and everything. And the client was, the, the mother was, I think understandably so, super protective of the child because the dad's just been out of the life, out of this child's life for so long. And as we progress through the supervised possession and building this dad back into the child's life through therapy and stair step possession, it wasn't going as quickly as the guardian wanted it to. And so just one day she just announced and said, it must be parental alienation. Mom's not doing everything I want her to do. So therefore she's alienating the child from dad. And so actually you should flip custody, which fortunately we had a really good judge who not only ignored that opinion, but removed the guardian from the case that morning. But that sometimes where a mental health professional will sit there and say, because you're not cooperating the way I want you to, because it's not going as quickly as I think it should go, I'm just going to pull out this term parental alienation and drop that bomb in the case when a lot of times it's not the case. And then, of course, like all things in life, I think you were alluding uh, to this earlier, Brian, like all things in life, sometimes it's just a spectrum where maybe there is some parental alienation going on, but maybe the other parent has done a lot of things to alienate himself or herself. Maybe it's more so where it's parental alienation and less so where the other parent has harmed themselves. Maybe it's on the other end of the spectrum. It's just, it's very rare. I, I, you probably have too, Brian. I, I've had cases where it's black and white on both ends. Black and white where it's clearly not parental alienation. And I've had cases where it's black and white and it is parental alienation. And then a lot of times it's gray, uh, like everything we do in our profession. What's your experience been on that, Brian? Exactly. I mean, that's the, the human condition is, is a gray areas a lot of the time. And, and it may be some of both. It may be a difficult child combined with behaviors by one parent that can cause uh, them to have a bad relationship and then behaviors by the 
you know, alienating parent that don't exactly help the situation. Um, and who's at fault? Probably all three of them in some ways, but it's not a straightforward, just blame it on one parent type of situation. Yeah. So I think turn to the topic of how do you deal with that? I think the kind of same response we had when talking about parental alienation, it's how do you deal with that? A lot of times you just have to go to court and that's unfortunate. That's the solution. But if you have another parent who is making this accusation uh, that is not true or mental health professional or guardian or amicus that's making this allegation, a lot of times you just have to take it to court. And it really is these cases, I think on both ends with parental alienation, uh, time and time again, the lawyering really does make a difference because these are complex cases. These are difficult cases. They're even more difficult if you have a mental health professional that's not on your side or that's totally missed the ball or a guardian that's totally missed the ball. If you don't try those cases, the easiest thing to do is listen to the guardian or listen to the counselor. Um, and it's difficult sometimes if you don't have a good lawyer to go in there and actually explain what actually is going on. We've tried, I know you and I both, Brian, but I, I can think of just off the top of my head in the last three years, two significant jury trials where one, our client lost custody. This is one uh, that we had a couple of years ago. The client lost custody on temporary orders in front of a judge because they uh, mental health professional came in and claimed parental alienation. And on temporary orders, the, chi- the judge took an eight-year-old child and placed him with a dad and totally believed that mom, that mom was alienating this child. She didn't have a good lawyer at temporary orders. And, and we ended up taking the case. We made a jury demand and tried that to a jury. And when the jury heard it, it was actually tried competently when the jury heard it, it's like, well, what on earth happened? Who, who actually bought this load of, sorry for my language, but who brought this load of crap that this mom's alienating? She's not, this guy's just a jerk, but it took going to court. And frankly, that mental health professional got up and bashed mom in front of the jury, just like she bashed mom in front of the judge on temporary orders. It's just the difference was there was a different lawyer cross-examining her in front of the jury. That one actually went so well for our client that the other side settled after cross-examination of the uh, mental health professional and, and, and essentially gave the child back to, to mother. Uh, and the settlement was that we wouldn't ask for attorney's fees. Another same situation the year before, the guardian litem recommended to the jury that, that our client have supervised, not only lose custody of her children, but have supervised visits because she was alienating the children and cross-examined that mental health professional and the jury sided with us, left custody with mom and didn't buy any of the parental alienation stuff. That one, they actually had an expert come in and say parental alienation, a guardian say parental alienation. But after cross-examination, they both fell apart. And when we talked to the jury afterwards, they all said, we really, we didn't listen to either one of those experts after cross-examination. But if we hadn't done a good job cross-examining those experts, both those clients would have lost custody of their kids. One of them could have ended up supervised with our kids. But fortunately, we were able to, to turn it around. But I, I don't see, I don't know about you, Brian, I, I rarely see these working out without just at least, at least some of a court fight. I, I agree. And, and you don't have a choice sometimes. If you're being falsely accused of something, you're, you're probably going to have the other parent file you know, something against you and you're going to have to defend it. And you really have only two choices at that point. You can either roll over and give them what they want, which is not going to be in your child's best interest, or you're going to have to fight it. And neither one of those are great options, but those are the only two you're really presented with at that point when you're falsely accused of something this serious. And that's unfortunate, but it is something that happens on a regular basis. Yeah. And I I think it's important. I say you're talking about the lawyers, but 
think it's also important sometimes to, to bring in a mental health professional on your side. Have a rebuttal expert come in and talk about the job that the the other side's done. But yeah, they just naturally go to court though, because if you have a if you have a parent that's willing to falsely accuse somebody of parental alienation, he or she's not going to let go of that without a judge or a jury deciding. And particularly if that person has a out-of-control guardian or a mental health professional that's backing up this false accusation, they really aren't going to let go of it then. And you're going to have to go take it to court to actually get the resolution. But it all goes back to this topic of parental alienation just you know, leads us back to, unfortunately, where a lot of times it results in litigation and they're complex and unfortunately a lot of times expensive cases. Like you were saying, Brian, you don't have a choice on these. You can't, if somebody's willing to make that false accusation about you, even if you gave up, which you're not going to do, but even if you gave up and gave into that, that type of accusation, just surrendered in the case, it's not going to stop. That's just going to be, I think the, I think it's just like somebody who alienates their child from the other parent that is a mental health issue and somebody who's willing to make that false, false accusation. I think that's a mental health issue. And unfortunately, that leads you back to the courthouse. There are satisfying cases, though, on both ends when you get the right result and you're able to fix it. And you really do. I think you really do see changes in, in kids' lives and really can, a child's life really can turn one way or the other based on what a judge or a jury decides. And I think that's even more so the case in these parental alienation cases. So I think that's scratching the surface uh, on both ends on a really complex topic. I know we have some content online about it. And of course, it's something that we're always taking calls on and doing consults on and, and informing our clients about. So do you have anything to add to that, Brian? I oh, totally agree. And you know, it's, it's certainly a topic we'll probably circle back to in the near future because there is so much to it. Uh, I agree. Yeah, I think so. It intertwines into uh, a lot of things that we talk about. All right, that'll do it for this week, and we'll see everybody next week.